Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. I'm going to just jump straight in. So, John 13, verses 1 to 17. It's a pretty big passage, um, and we'll come back to it in bits as we go, but it says it was just before. The Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. But he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay, so that is the verse that we're going to be uh, looking around. And so it's a very famous verse in the Bible. It's kind of a, a common example when we say, give me an example of what Jesus did to love people. You won't be long before someone winds round to the time where he washed the disciples' feet. But before we kind of jump into that, I'm going to start with a little quiz. Start, always good to start with a quiz, right? So, um, and it's just going to be a case of what do these things have in common? So what do these things have in common? So thank you very much, Lindsay. It's a lovely picture of the, the northern lights there. Thank you. Um, then, and you've got some people wasting their life uh, running a marathon. And so then you've got somebody on a safari. Um, then we have somebody writing, potentially writing a book, we think. Um, somebody playing a piano, um, possibly getting ready to step into the breach in the, the Life Church band. That's good of them, well done. Uh, somebody who's been asked to play piano and has decided to jump out of a plane instead. And so somebody who wants to get as far away as possible. Uh, somebody learning a different language, uh, which many of you have had to do, I know. So, and then the Grand Canyon. And is that our final one? There's one more. Two more. Swimming with dolphins. Absolutely the worst thing. And then going and seeing your favourite band live. So, what is in common with all those things? Hmm? Yeah, kind of once in a lifetime. They're in, that's in that ballpark. Anything else? Bucket list. They are the top ten bucket list things. So for people who are kind of thinking, what do I want to do before I leave this earth? Those are the top ten things. And so 
we're going to look at Jesus as he washes feet here. This is his last week. You know, so he rides in. We're in Palm Sunday. And I don't know how it works, but I reckon I've preached, I think, something like six out of the eight or whatever Palm Sunday since we've started. It falls to me. And I used to hate Palm Sunday. I just used, you know, I grew up in church. and was like, oh, we're going to have to make those little things. Then we have to wave them. And I don't really understand. But actually, I've gone on a real journey. And I really love Palm Sunday now because Jesus rides in. And we're going to see he is so different from the king that everyone expects. And he's so different from the king that sometimes we expect him to be. And so in the last week of his life, what does he do? He spends it teaching people. He spends it actually reassuring people that when he dies, they're going to be okay. And he spends it doing things like washing the disciples' feet, comforting people, serving people, praying for his disciples, praying for us. That's how Jesus spends his last week consistent with his mission, the way he lived his entire life. If, he, if I knew that I had a week left, I would not be as selfless as Jesus. I might have a meal with my friends. I mean, I, and it would be a big old meal. Let me tell you, none of this bread stuff, I would be last days of Rome style. Just bring it all, bring it all, bring as much uh, as you can do. It would be that kind of stuff. But that is what Jesus is doing. And in this story we see here, he says in the, the Last Supper, in a different version, when he says when Jesus broke the bread and drank the wine. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we're going to see, we're going to look at how people would have told this story, how they would have passed that story down from generation to generation. But we're going to do this within three points. And those three points are going to be musical points. Uh, That's right. That's right. So our first point, please, Lindsay. right she fades it out before we get to the big good bit right and so um yeah that was on the cd the first ever cd i bought that's right kids when they used to be cds and so that's how cool or uncool i was meatloaf i don't know as a 13 year old boy that is uncool that is that's cool lucas says it's cool chris lowry says it's uncool that is our that is our spectrum you you decide where on that spectrum you want to be do you want to be at lucas cool or chris uncool that is where it is and so like, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. And that is how we sometimes feel about the whole foot washing thing. In, I'll love my neighbours, I'll do anything. Oh, I'm not washing feet though. Like, let's be honest, uh, I am not washing dirty feet. And so, thankfully, don't worry, some of us have been in church a long time and we've had services where you see then the pastor go, right. And then he rolls up his sleeves and you go, oh no, he's going to ask for a volunteer and it's about to get weird. And so we're not doing that. We're not doing, I'm not going to say, anyone who's got the stinkiest feet here, can you come out please? That's not what we're doing. Uh, we're going to just kind of look at it in a slightly different way. And so, but what we're going to see is that John who writes this story, like he would have been a, a guy, he's the only disciple who gets old. And so he would have been telling this story for years and telling his stories of all what Jesus did. And I'm sure this would have been a real important story in it because this would have been where he said, hey, this Jesus guy, and let me tell you the things that he did. And his last week, this is what he did. You know, we, I'm going to see some uni friends this week in London. When we get together, we tell our stories. You know, we talk about our times together. We, when I go see my friends at home, we tell our stories. Oh, bless him, poor old Mark. We normally tell our stories of poor old Mark, as the youth know very much. Like, is Mark's stories in there? There's no Mark story this week. But I'm sure I could just 
pull one in quite quickly. But tomorrow, um, so tomorrow is... Uh, Craig mentioned that tomorrow is my dad's funeral so we're going to go back today and we're going to go and see uh, people in Grimsby and I'm going to, my job is to tell stories about my dad and some of those stories are going to be heartfelt, most of them are not, most of them are going to be quite comical because that's the guy who he was and so my dad um, in his left there, that is his, like one of his mugshots when he was an actor so he was an actor that did not succeed as an actor but he did it for five years so we went down to London, he was in some TV shows, in a couple of movies. And so as I was going through this box of his possessions a couple of weeks ago, just kind of looking at what we needed to keep and all these kind of things, he wrote this letter with that cover shot there on the left, not the one on the right, that's not getting him any gigs. And so um, he wrote this cover st- letter saying, please consider me for a role. As you can see, I'm not handsome, but I am solid. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's not going to get you work, is it, Dad? Like, that's not how to sell yourself. Let's be honest, I can see the face. I'm not handsome, but I am solid. Uh, I mean, that's a weird... Don't oversell, eh? Don't oversell, you know, under-promise under and over-deliver. That is the story. So I'll tell stories of that. But also, I know him as an old man. He was 50 when I was born. So he was never young to me. Like, he looked like that for about 20 years of my life. And so at least... He, when, I, when I remember him, he was old, and when I was old, he was old. And so that was the kind of thing. And I'll tell stories about, that I've told with the youth, about when he was in his mid-70s, he, uh, to help a woman who couldn't get out of her house, he effectively broke his way into her house and then got himself trapped in her house. And so I'll tell that story uh, about how uh, he possibly should have been arrested, um, but wasn't. It's all right. And so, John, we're going to see, if we read John 13, just the... Four verses here. John's telling this story, and I think this is maybe a little embarrassing for John and the disciples, as we'll see. So it says that Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't know what I'm doing, but you will later understand. And Peter says, no. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And I think that not only is that embarrassing for, for Peter, but it's actually kind of a little embarrassing for the disciples. And I think as John would have been telling this, John would have been surprised. Everyone would have been shocked. Like, Jesus, of all the people to do this, this is the dirtiest job. So it's kind of like, right, who's the lowest? And they're probably scoping each other out. And we're going to get to that bit in a second. But there's kind of 12 guys and Jesus probably scoping each other out going, who is the lowest here? Like, we probably need to work out a ranking, right? Who's the best? Who's the lowest? But the one thing they would have definitely known is it's not Jesus. Like, the one who shouldn't be doing this is Jesus. You know, like, he is not the lowest. He should not be doing this dirty, horrible job. So as when that would have happened, they would have all felt like, oh, man, I'm embarrassed because he shouldn't be doing this. And then John probably, as he tells the story, he's probably thinking... That's a little embarrassing. Some, one of us disciples maybe should have stepped up. You know? And so he's telling this story. And actually, Peter's really uncomfortable. Because Peter's like, you can't wash my feet. I'm so unworthy. And I think when we kind of see, hear stories like this, or when we're thinking of the idea of somebody serving us, we can feel really uncomfortable. Like, we are not worthy to be served. Whether it's by God, whether it's by other people, sometimes, maybe, whether it's culturally or whatever, we just get a bit awkward. Like, no, 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 I'm okay. Please, please stop. 
particularly if someone was washing your feet. You're allowed to be a little freaked out. We live in 21st century Britain. Like, it's not normal for people to come and, can, can I come and wash your feet? No, thank you. Uh, I'm all right. You, I'm going to lock my front door just in case you turn up with a bowl or anything like that. So, like, it's, like, but we don't like being served. We find it uncomfortable because we almost think, I want to sort myself. I want to deal with it myself. And Peter says, no, 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 God. No, no, Jesus, I don't want you to do that. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Why? You just have no part. So Jesus, uh, Jesus says to Peter, I'm doing this. And yeah. Peter has to have the humility to go, okay, I'm going to let you into the grime and the dirt, embarrassed that somehow Jesus, my leader, the Son of God, is washing my feet, and they're, they're a mess. Yeah. And sometimes we think with our life, God, I can't invite you in because it is just too messy. And if I really open that door to you, we think that Jesus is going to walk away. He's going to be like, that is a mess and I don't want anything to do with you. And maybe that's because that's happened to us with people in our lives. You know, some of us know what it is to struggle with stuff. And when we've had our, some of our lowest moments, people walk away, you know, because people are not perfect and don't love us perfectly. Let me tell you that we've sang about a guy whose love will not walk away when we open the door and say, Jesus, I am a mess and I am unworthy of you coming near me. He'll say, hey, let me come in and wash you. You know, not because he's the lowest, because he's the highest, but he loves you that much. You know, and we need to not be awkward and not be uncomfortable with that happening. I think the other thing we think of in this story is we feel guilty. I feel guilty when I read this because I'm like, man, I should be doing more of this. I should be getting down and dirty and cleaning stuff. I should be doing more. And as soon as we read it, we have this guilt thing of, oh, man, I'm not good enough. We know being a Christian can be costly and awkward. And we kind of think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, God, I don't do these things. You know, well, okay, we need to read this and let it be a challenge, but not in a way that beats us down and we go, I'm so rubbish and I'm so, such a bad Christian. Please don't leave here today and think, right, I'm going to find someone, I'm going to take their shoes off. Please don't do that because thankfully it's not about feet. On the screen, Lindsay's going to put... The, these are the five love languages. Some guy, Gary Chapman, wrote a book ages ago. These are the five ways that people feel and give love generally. This is kind of what he classifies them as. I was watching a meme the other day and he said, he said, oh, when you get married, it's important to find out what your wife's love language is of these five. Is it words and kind words and saying good things? Is it giving them time? Is it uh, buying them gifts? Is it physical torture? Is it acts of service? He said, what I found out was my wife has all five, full house. Yeah. What a lucky man. What a lucky man I am. That's right. And so we apply that to kind of romantic stuff. But actually, Jesus washed their feet because that's what was needed. You know, to love the people around us, our neighbours, our friends, the people in this church, we need to think, what do they need? Yeah. Like, what do they actually need? And that's the love we have. The last thing that I wanted in the last two weeks was someone to knock on my door and wash my feet. You would not have been welcome in the Della house. For the, you just wouldn't. So you just think about, right, the people you know out there, the people that you're going to see at work, the people in your family, the people that you come into contact with, which of those would really serve them the best? Which of those would be the most loving? Is it that they need some kind words? Is it that they need something written? Or is it that they need a conversation eye to eye? Is it that they need time? Or is it actually that the last thing they need is to kind of sit with somebody for an hour because they're so swamped. And actually, can you take something off them to give them a bit more time in their lives? 
You know, is it a, an act of service? Somebody once took a day off work to build furniture for me, which is like the kindest thing in the world. I mean, a little selfish because they, they were going to sit on the furniture and they didn't want it to break. But still, they did this act of service where they took a day off to just do something they knew that I didn't have time for. Gifts. One thing we like doing in the Della house is we, we like just sitting and getting on Deliveroo or Uber Eats and just sending, just sending somebody just a gift. Like, it doesn't have to be this crazy, mega expensive, go to town, spend two hours. You know, who doesn't like receiving, please don't send us donuts in the post, but who doesn't like receiving donuts in the post? I do not need to receive donuts in the post. We probably need to receive salads in the post. I understand that. But don't send me salads in the post because I will not feel loved. All right, even if it is what we like. Um, and touch. And touch is another one, but just be careful. Again, please don't just turn up to people's houses and start hugging them. They might find it a bit odd. Um, but just think about the way that people need love. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Jesus washed the feet because that's what needed to be done. What can we do to love people where they're at and how they need to be loved? And it's not just about doing it because oh, I should probably do it because Jesus did it, right? And that's not a bad thing, but it's almost don't go into a mentality of, no, I don't want to do this. But, you know, when I was 15 years old, uh, 16 years old, I, as I've said many times, I hated going to church. I just didn't like it. It wasn't fun. Nobody liked me. It was a bit boring. And so I was just like, I don't want to do this. And so I just kind of plodded my way through and I thought one day I'm going to be old enough that I can leave home and I won't have to go to church and I'll be fine. And so then I became a Christian and I tried to change and it was difficult. But there was this one guy called Ian and he ran this kind of kids ministry. Now I am not a kids worker. And so he ran this kids work and he said, hey, we just need some help. Can you just come down? And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but fine. So at 15, 16, I would go to this um, Monday night kids work and I didn't really have a job, so I would just sit on the floor with these kids and just chat, particularly the ones who didn't enjoy being there, didn't like going to church. I would just talk to them. And over that next year or two, before I went to uni, I would just sit there, be part of it. And what I got to do is I got to watch this guy who was an accountant, who had a really difficult job, and he would come straight from work, and he would arrive, he would get changed in the church toilets, and he'd throw himself into loving these bunch of kids from the estate. You know, five years later, when I had a real hard job as an accountant, what I found was I found myself going straight from work, getting changed in a church toilet and loving kids on an estate. Because serving people, as we do it, as we say, okay, God, help me to love people. In that, what if we come alive? What if God says, hey, this is what I want you to do? And it's not just this slog. It becomes something that gives you such a joy and a passion and a purpose. And the disciples, they went out and told these stories because they knew what it was to have their lives changed by Jesus. They didn't say, we should love one another. They said, hey, this is what it is. This is the life of following Jesus and it is better than anything else that we can see. Our second slide, our second point. Thank you, Lindsay. I don't know if that's cooler or not. Uh, I would say uh, it is cooler. I've got a thumbs up. Uh, I work fine. Maybe meatloaf isn't the thing. So where is the love? And so one of my favourite bits about this whole story of Jesus is that Jesus knows who's in charge. Jesus knows who he is. It says at the start, Jesus knew what was going to happen and he knew who he was. Jesus wasn't looking for his rank or position. He wasn't saying, right, well, I'm at the top, so I don't do that role. 
He knew he was in charge. And that's what, why Palm Sunday is so great. Jesus rides in as king, but he's not looking for anyone's votes. Yeah. You know, he knows that the same people who are cheering him on Palm Sunday are going to be often the same people that four or five days later are going to be screaming abuse at him while he hangs on a cross. He knows that if we live our lives for the approval of people, it will just never work. So he's not interested in that. And so when I met a guy called Gary Myers, he's, um, he's at one of our other churches in Cinnamon Brow. He's married to a woman called Helen. They're on the team there. And so the first time I met him, I was in a life group in my own home, in my own home. And so we were saying, hi, Gary, tell us a little bit about yourself. And he said, oh, yeah, blah, 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 whatever he said, I don't know. But then he said, I, uh, I do some Kung Fu. Do you want me to show you some moves? Not really, Gary, not really. And then he said, I can show you one Dell if you want. Obviously, everyone in the life group thought that was the best thing in the world. And so he grabs my hand and does this thing, which obviously caused more pain than I've ever been in. And I was on my knees going, ah, stop. And I remember shouting, Gary, but I'm in charge. But I'm in charge. And obviously, if you're screaming, I'm in charge, you are very much not in charge of anything. And so I don't know why this kind of thing follows me around. But when we were doing youth a couple of years ago, we did a little talent show. So everybody steps up and says, oh, here's my talent. We've got a little video for Dan Vernon. He's Dan Vernon, the wonderful son of Julie at the back. He showed us his talent. We've got his talent. The video is sideways, so you guys should... You guys, of course it is, why wouldn't it be? So the video is sideways. <laughs> so everyone's talents, it's amazing how many people's talents are abusing me. It's amazing, isn't it? People's talents seem to be, what's your talent? Beating Dell up. But it's not talent, it's very easy, I'm squidgy. It's very easy to do. So, Jesus is not bothered about whether he's in charge because he knows his place. And I think he wishes we would have that, that security of knowing who we were and not having to prove ourselves. Because these people that whose feet he washed, in the, the version of this story in Luke 22, where he's talking about the Last Supper. This is the week before Jesus dies. This is the last big meal that they're having. And the conversation goes to this. Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you. But the hand of him who's going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question themselves who it might be. And then... Jesus is about to die. Do this in remembrance of me. A dispute arose among them about which was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, look, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you, you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You know, and we get caught up in, well, is that my job? You know, what if I do this low job and that's what everybody thinks I am? Well, if I do the low job, will everybody think I am the lowest kind of person? I remember when I, in my accountancy days, I remember being a first year and somebody walking in and the person in charge of the whole job, the partner, uh, was flying in from Ireland 
to have this big important meeting and he needed breakfast because the partner was all important. And the guy, the manager came in and he hadn't even bothered to learn my name. The manager said, right, the partner's on his way in. And he just said, first year? He just yelled out first year. And I was like, oh, I mean, I guess that's me then, isn't it? I said, yeah. He said, first year, go get him a bacon sandwich. And I was like, obviously I was just, I was just like, man, I feel like the lowest of the low. I walked and getting that bacon sandwich, just chuntering on, oh, I just feel so unimportant. If it were there just to call me first year, I was like, is it rude to spit in a bacon sandwich? It probably would have been rude to spit in a bacon sandwich. Uh, it would have been good though, wouldn't it? It would have been brave. Imagine just that, I was not that brave, I'm afraid. Um, but it feels bad, right? When somebody puts you at the lower, lower than them, it feels awful. Like none of us like it. None of us want to feel unimportant. And I think we go through our life sometimes thinking, well, hopefully I can impress enough people that they think I'm all right. Whether that's in relationships, whether that's uh, in workplaces, whatever it is. You know, as a kid, I knew what it was to really try and have to impress my dad with being good at football or good at academics or whatever. You know, and unsurprisingly, as he's got older... You know, I'm not really interested in trying to impress him. I just kind of knew, my time is short. Do you know what I want to do? I just want to sit with him. Yeah. I just want to be with him. Don't need to do anything. I just want to be with him. Yeah. You know, and Jesus is there saying, stop worrying about who's, who's the top and who's the least. That is the opposite of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus models that and he starts washing their feet. And the question is, like, what if we feel that we always do the dirty jobs and that we maybe are never seen? Would that still be worth it? You know, would it be worth it? If you say, right, I'll do what you call me to do, God. And he calls you to just serve humbly, quietly, and that's it. You never get the recognition. Is it worth it? I mean, like, that is the challenge, right? Because I think, yeah, but it'll be worth it because people will think I'm good. What if no one ever thinks you're good? What if no one ever says, wow, you're so humble? What if you just do it? Would it be worth it? You know, like, when my granddad passed away, I found out that He'd gone to Bible college and didn't finish and didn't get to be a preacher. And I'd never known that. And I know that uh, tomorrow when we celebrate my dad's life, we're going to say that he went to be an actor and he didn't make it. And so in both of those stories, this, this kind of, oh, we've pushed for this thing. And it never happened for either of them. But what they did was they just stayed in a normal town, in a normal place. And they were just humble people who loved Jesus. And he just served those around them. And the one Bible verse that my dad definitely wanted in the... He didn't do anything. It's not very helpful for a funeral. My mum's got a PDF and everything. Like, she is. She has made it very clear what she wants to me. I mean, she's got a few years left in her life. But she is, got, she is very clearly telling me she's the northern bullet. She's got instructions. My dad was like, in his own words, I don't care. I won't be there. Cheers, dad. Really helpful, isn't it? Really helpful. Really helpful. And so poor old mum, she's dealing with all this. But the only thing that he definitely wanted is Psalm 84. And it's the verse where it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And I was like, that is, the, that is the guy in his life. Just this ordinary guy just thinking, well, if I do all important stuff, it doesn't matter, does it? Because that's what being uh, a Christian is. And so, yeah, we can do the dirty jobs and, and be unseen. And actually, being a follower of Christ might mean that is our call. And that is a good and a, a great and a noble thing. The other thing that might happen is, what if we love people around us and we get rejected and we get hurt? We know that story, you know, it hurts when people do things without you or reject you. It's awful. But Jesus knows this. In the story we see in John, we'll see the, the next couple of bits, we're not going to read them, but have you got the John slides? Excellent. 
Um, then Jesus hints at this with Judas anyway in what we've already read. But in the next few bits of the story, Jesus says to Judas, I know you're going to betray me. And then uh, Peter de- denies him. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, one of my best friends, you are going to deny me. So Jesus is not naive. He's washing the feet of people who he knows any second are going to let him down. Yeah. It's going to happen. And so he knows that. And he doesn't say, I'm washing 10 people's feet, but not you and not you. You see, he does that full well knowing this guy's going to sell him out. And he gets in going, I'm going to love him anyway, because that is how I love people. And so Jesus does that knowing that this is coming. And I think if Jesus kind of came to Latchford, uh, I don't know if he'd be too bothered about sorting all of our stuff out. He, he might have kind of come and said, hey, Rob, you should be ready for your song. He might have said that, right? He might have said that. That's probably, you probably would have said that. That's oh, harsh, isn't it? That's harsh. Uh, but he wouldn't come and say, you need to organise this better and that better. He'd just find some people and love them. Right? That's what he would do. He'd just find some people and he'd love them. And love... It looks like something. If I could leave you with any one line, it would just be that love looks like something. That's what Heidi Baker always says. It just, whatever it is, it looks something different. So like this last couple of weeks, I've been going into uni and just trying to help these students with um, their coursework in their final year. Because it just, it matters to help them out to me. It's just important. And so on Tuesday, I was chatting to some of them and they were like, why are you in? It's Easter and blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone else is off. And I was like, well, I just quite like this. I quite like sitting with you. But I need to leave at four because I have a student life group and there's going to be a bunch of people coming round to my house and we're going to cook for them. And they're like, what what on earth? And they're like, why? And they're like, we just want to hear how they're doing. We want to be around them. We want to encourage them. And these kids are like, what on earth? And I was like, but these things matter. So who are you going to see this week? And what can we do to love them? Whether it's food, whether it's just working hard and giving things with the correct attitude. But the final thing in our final song, and we'll land with this. Thanks, Lindsay. That's all right. Take it out as we build, right? Take it out. I understand those songs going a little bit longer than they should, and it feels a little awkward. That's part of it. That's part of it. We embrace the awkwardness. That's okay. Um, And so the final thing is as we read this passage, it's not about you. Like, we can read this passage with a mirror and go, okay, I get it. I need to do more about loving people. And that's a good thing sometimes to kind of go, okay, God, I feel challenged about what we can do to love people. This story is not about you. You know, when we read this story, we need to see Jesus. We don't see ourselves we see Jesus. You know, this final week, we get to look at the King. We get to look at what he does and how he loves us and how he loves people. You know, that's the thing that Nick said about this whole series is he wants to just emphasize that Jesus loves people. And in John 13, the last uh, time we'll read these few verses, this is the start of this passage we read. It's just before the Passover. Jesus knew the hour had come uh, for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then it says, it goes on to say, the meal was in progress. Uh, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power. And he'd come from God and was returning. So he got up, took out his clothing, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water and began to wash his disciples' feet. And that's who we need to see. It's not about what you should or shouldn't do. 
It's about just taking a look and going, man, it's about this Jesus. Yeah. You know, and if you're not sure where you're reading in the Bible at the moment, you think, I haven't picked it up for a while, I just encourage you, start at John 12, the chapter before where we've been looking. And that's where he rides in, Palm Sunday. Yeah. And it's like seven chapters from there to the end, like seven, eight chapters. So just read, even if it's just a chapter a day, just think, what did Jesus do with his last week? You know, what, what can we see? What does he do? Because that is who we're supposed to look at. We don't want to read this and go, it's all about us. You know, the story is it's all about Jesus, this king, who ultimately is going to lay down his life at the end. But yet he spends that last week loving people. He spends that last week seemingly interested in the muck and the grime of our lives, saying, hey, I want to make you clean. I want to wash you. And he's going to do that next Sunday. We're going to celebrate the fact that we can be clean and forgiven over and over again because of what he does on Easter Sunday. And we know that story that we can be forgiven and reborn over and over again because Jesus died and rose again. Because of that, many of us here know what it is to feel down and out and have that second chance, the third chance, the 105th chance. Because there is no limits to that. And so I'm just going to finish with this. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and picture yourself at the scene of uh, the foot washing kind of thing. And so... Yeah, you may feel really unworthy. Uh, just, I just want you to imagine that Jesus is there and he's on his hands and his knees. And you're kind of thinking, man, this is awkward and I feel unworthy and I just feel unclean. And I just would get a feeling that God is saying there's some of you here that just need to take the opportunity to let him clean things. Things that you're embarrassed of, afraid of, things that you're ashamed of. Just let him wash you because only he can make you clean. You know, you cannot do it yourself. You can't get these stains off. And some of you have tried, but just say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need you to wash me, to make me clean. And I trust you that as you do it, I can be clean and I can be one of your followers. So God, as we just sit in this moment, God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Would you clean us? Would you heal us? Would you make us new? Would you show us again how incredible you are? And how awesome your love is for us. Help us all. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.